Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardwar. And Jeff Ganada. Welcome to the show. Today on the podcast, uh, we're going to be discussing a couple brief film news items and then moving on into our What We've Been Watching segment, telling you a little bit about that. And then uh, concluding with an in-depth review of Project Power, the latest film on Netflix uh that is uh, uh what the modern day definition of a blockbuster is i guess right <laughs> it's it's what we call blockbusters now is sure. like project power maybe yeah uh we're really excited to have film critic robert daniels joining us for that review so uh look forward to that but yeah let's uh let's talk about uh, a few follow-ups number one last week on the podcast we had many arguments uh, over a variety of different things. One of them was about uh, what should we use as a hashtag uh, for people recommending stuff to us to watch. And we had many different ideas, many different contenders. But the one we settled on was hashtag slash tag. Hashtag that, slash tag. That is the symbol hashtag followed by the word slash tag. Hashtag slash tag. How could you ever forget it? It's perfect. So Jeff, we, did you? Uh, I mean, we've gotten already a lot of great it's suggestions. Phenomenal! It's a huge that. success. This is amazing. So it's, it's really, I'm not even being facetious. I love it. I'm so happy that we did this again. Danish Syed is the person who who thought of this idea, and we should remember the person who suggested hashtag slash tag. Who was that? Uh, <laughs> who is that? I want to say it was Martin Valens in the chat room. All right. Good job trying to catch me unawares, Jeff. Nice yeah, uh, yeah, nice good. There. Really got to write our history down over here. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I think it's been, it's been a rousing success. I already uh, have have noted several uh, things to to watch, and I know where they're going to exist. No, I just type good. in that whole hashtag slash tag, and boom, pop, there it is. And not only that, it's even better. It's even better because <laughs> uh-huh. this flawed just favorite it jeff just favorite it that this that kind of flawed logic completely removes it from the ability of listeners to get in on some of these sweet sweet wrecks you got to have the wrecks for the folks as well and now anybody can search for hashtag slash tag find out what people are recommending for us and take their own recommendations from from that as they may it's just so much so much better than anything that you suggested that's all i'm saying (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, super fair, super fair, Jeff. Super fair. Yeah. I mean, if we were if we were a really organized podcast, we'd have a Reddit or something, right? Yeah, something for yeah. everybody to jump there, in. There is a slash filmcast subreddit, but it it's it's uh yeah, it's fairly yeah, it's not attended. However, what is Hello. attended is the is the uh, slash filmcast Slack. A lot of a lot of activity going on there. Slack on a filmcast. Basis. Although some people I've heard actually some people request that the Slack film pass become Slack filmcast become a Discord. Because mm. maybe I, Slack is I have the best. not I heard know. that. I have not heard somebody, that. Somebody asked me that. It may have been on Discord. <laughs> somebody need maybe left. maybe a little yeah. bias there, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the the big film news that happened this week, right? Which is that uh, I don't know if you guys did you guys guess get this email from AMC? Right? Yeah, dude. I did. I'm, AMC. A, I'm a I'm a red carpet triple uh, A. Uh, it's gold A-list, star. Yeah. A-list is the word you're looking for. It's been so long, I don't even know. <laughs> I think they're still charging me, and I just feel I just feel sad canceling, so I'm just going to keep paying it every month. I don't know. So AMC wrote an update uh, a few days ago 
uh, that says uh, at the top, AMC theaters are reopening. Uh, quote, we have already reopened more than half of our theaters in Europe and the Middle East safely and without incident and will open all by August 26th. Here in the United States, we will begin opening AMC with more than 100 theaters resuming operations on August 20th and continuing such that about two thirds of our theaters across the country should be open no later than September 3rd. The remaining AMC locations will open after we get further clearance from state and local authorities that it is safe to do so. To check the status of your favorite AMC theater, go to our website or mobile app beginning mid-morning tomorrow. This was written a few days ago, end quote. I don't know if you know this, Dave, but I live literally across the street from an AMC theater. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I don't cross the street anymore. So (laughs) I don't don't know what's happening over there. It looks empty. It looks... uh, I think the parking lot is massive and completely empty, Uh, but I'm very curious if in three days from the moment we are recording this, there will be a hustling, bustling AMC reopening. I can't imagine that will be the case, but clearly that's what they're claiming, right? Yeah. So people have have been posting uh, some of the screenshots of the seating online and uh, does not look good. Does not yeah, I guess look like it's every actually... other every other row, but they're still cramming people together in the rows that are open. Yeah. <laughs> so here's what they write in the Come email: on, guys. Right? Social distancing will very much be in evidence through our theaters. That's what they say in, in the email, which uh, I have to say is pretty vague. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, and a weird way to phrase uh, that. Yeah. So so what has happened is uh, people have started like in places where AMC's are open, people have started looking at what seats are available and the seats that are available do not seem to support social distancing, right? Because ideally, if you look at it, you'd see like, oh, well, all these seats are blocked off. You cannot acquire these seats. Yeah, you'd, you'd want it to look like a checkerboard almost, right? You'd right, want it to have right. nobody adjacent to you. But it, from what I've seen, it is it is like there's a row that they fill up shoulder to shoulder with people and then an empty row and then another one they fill up shoulder to shoulder with people. It's like, that's not yeah. right. Well, listen, Jeff, you breathe forward, right? You don't breathe side to side. You know, AMC logic a, is perfectly accurate. You make a yeah. strong point. Yeah. I forgot about my breathing direction. That's good. <laughs> so uh, I, I will also say I did check to see if my AMC theater uh, w- near me would be open. And it's not going to be. Um, it, it will not Wait, be one what? of the theaters that's open. Isn't that in direct opposition with the press release, which says all of our theaters are opening? Well, they say, uh, again, um, the remaining locations will open after we get further clearance from state and local authorities that it is safe to oh. do so. My state and local authorities say it's not safe to do are so. There's no universal with mine yeah. is then. Yeah. Yeah. So, mine, mine ain't opening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess what I wanted to ask you guys, like, have you tried booking tickets? Because they, no. they did have this, uh, they did have this. Uh, I, I think um, promotion where uh, they were charging 1920s prices. Do you guys see this? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Can commemorate the last pandemic, I guess. That's the <laughs> idea. Uh, really, really rough timing. Cause yeah, the, the last major pandemic that America lived through was the uh, Spanish flu, which happened around that time. And so mm-hmm. weird that you would invoke that uh, <laughs> to promote your return to movie theaters, but okay. Um, yeah. and, uh, so I, you know, I went to try to book some seats cause theoretically the tickets are cheap enough that you could book a whole theater by yourself you'll, and I you'll could... hardly be able to breathe at these prices. <laughs> I could oh not. My gosh. We, we've got prices so low. You'll have a coughing fit about it. <laughs> It'll be amazing. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, book any, any seats for my local theater. 
uh, because it was like, you know, your theater's not going to be open. Did you guys attempt to book or no? No. Okay. No. For what? I, I mean, I, I would like to explore it at some point. Um, I'm living in what's known as now a hotspot. So <laughs> once again, it's, uh, it's not so great. I will say we should, once the AMCs or things open, we should reassess, um, how, like how much can we resist tenants? How yeah. much? Oh, like, yeah. We're gonna have if to there's a 1 a.m. screening or something, or like a super early screening where not many people have tickets, would you risk going to go see Tenet? That is the I, question. I, I will say if, if there is a scenario where it's a small theater, yeah, uh, it's like, you know, 100 seats, uh, they're only selling 25 of them, you know? Uh, That's or, not going to happen. It's uh, not going to happen. Uh, maybe. Maybe they might. Anyway, I mean, you know, Draft House is booking out entire theaters for like a few hundred bucks, you know. So, yep. um, you like if if there's a scenario where it's like a small theater, they're they're only booking a small a small fraction of the seats, and one person could buy them all, and I could be the first screening of the day, uh, so that like there's no aerosol droplets from everyone else's right. dinner that day. Right. I would strongly <laughs> consider that. I would strongly you know what? consider. I was it. I was talking about this with 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 a friend, and we were musing that. And and not to make light of any of this, although I have been constantly all episodes so far, yep. but not to make light. It is it is very serious times and I laugh only as to not cry. But there is something and this is totally being super honest with you right now. There's something kind of romantic, like capital R romantic about 20 years from now going, oh, Tenet, that Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I risked my life to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that's not the word I would use, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't use the word romantic. I would use maybe the word deranged. Insane. You know? there's, yeah. there's something necessarily like, tragic. You know, you want me to tell you about my childhood, grandkids? There was uh, well, it's childhood. I'm an adult, but you know what I'm saying. Back before you were alive, yeah. Oh no, the pandemic. Yeah, I lived through that. I lived through that. You know what I did? In fact, uh, so many things. We we wiped down our food. We didn't go out of the house for weeks at a time. But I did go see Tenet in the theater. I did. And that movie, that movie holds a special place in my heart because uh, I risked my life to see Tenet. Yeah. It's the place where coronavirus took root in your heart. <laughs> there's something, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little silly, but honestly, like there's some part of me that's like, how kind of amazing is it to have that memory inextricably linked with what you assume will be a really powerful movie? Like, if the movie's great and you're like, you'll never forget that experience of going to see that you movie. You certainly it will never so forget the experience. I give you that. Even if it's bad, you will yeah, not forget I, I have to, everything I you have go to through. I disagree with Jeff in the strongest possible terms. Um, but you know as what? As usual. You know, yeah, as usual. So um, listeners, I'm very sorry you had to hear all that. Uh, but in terms of amazing movies that will be available, what's interesting is AMC in their email led with this. Okay, so they, they had like... Uh, a, a bulleted list of announcements. Number one, AMC theaters are reopening. Number two, AMC is implementing rigorous cleaning and safety protocols. Number three, new movie titles are here and we are bringing back some great ones. Okay. This is the first sentence of this email. Uh, quote, Disney's latest installment in the X-Men cinematic universe, <laughs> the new mutants, <gasps> the new mutants debuts oh, August 28th. Man. That movie that should have come out five years ago. And tell my grandkids. I tell my grandkids I saw New Mutants. 
risked my life to see new music. Okay, please stop, Jeff. And, and Warner Brothers' much-awaited Tenet, directed by the legendary Christopher Nolan, opens up on September 3rd. And enjoy seeing Russell Crowe in Unhinged starting <laughs> August 21st. By the way, just like, that's just a pretty random assortment of movies, I have to say. Uh, sure new Mutants, Tenet, too. and like Russell Crowe's Contagion. I'm sure it's going to be there. <laughs> also starting and the movie uh, also yeah the movie <laughs> also starting august 21st uh, we're delighted to show a 10th anniversary edition of christopher nolan's inception which includes a special message from chris and a sneak preview uh footage of tenet <laughs> i was <laughs> why are you here <laughs> <laughs> under normal circumstances i would love to see inception in the theaters again yes um and then also amc writes as for library titles We'll be showing all of these beloved movies on the big screens of AMC. Okay, here we go. Here's the beloved movies list, okay? Back to the Future, Beauty yeah. and the Beast, okay. Black Panther, mm. Bloodshot. Yeah, baby. Uh, the Vin Diesel movie Bloodshot. Beloved. Beloved movies. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Goonies. Mm-hmm. Grease. Yeah. I Still Believe. What? What? Jumanji The Next Level. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog and Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Huh. So some good, some good ones in there. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we say this. I mean, Jeff is obviously off the deep end already, but like, you know, I, I, I ridicule this a little bit lightly. Uh, that being said, I do think there's a significant portion of uh, our listenership that will be able to access an open AMC theater if they so choose. If, if things should, are calm where you live and you're, you take precautions, okay, I could see doing it. It's just, it's not going to be that case for a lot of people. The, yeah. the guideline that I find the most ridiculous is the one that says we require people to wear masks unless they're actively eating food. And I'm like, that's no masks then. Just, that's <laughs> so just <bad>. no masks. <laughs> right. Because that's an, our entire goal for you to come here is for us to have you constantly eating our food. That's the only way we make money in this endeavor. But, but Jeff, listen, listen. You'll get double points and time extensions Ooh. as an AMC Stubbs member. They'll give you a $10 gift as an A-list member, and you can reinstate your membership whenever you want. Now I'm listening. So why why don't you just go risk your life and come to our theater? Please. I'll tell my grandkids about it. Please. Um, so anyway, uh, it sounds like none of us are going to be going, although we will, we will probably be debating tenant as time goes on. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting. This is by the way, the second email they have sent out about, uh, reopening soon. Right. So yeah. like, yeah. my, my understanding is that tenant isn't even coming to places like Los Angeles and Seattle. No, not right away. But so I don't even know if we'll have the option to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure if if like a theater chain actually does it and it's open and it's staying open, I'm sure Warner Brothers will be like, OK, yeah, yeah, we got we got to make money on this movie. Right. So yeah. they're not going to deny it. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, that, that that's the latest. Who knows how if and how it's going to change next week? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Um, but it does seem to me like they're really they're really they're really doing this, guys. <laughs> they're really going to try to pull this thing off. You're yeah. going to go back to your AMC and it's going to be like uh, the first Bioshock. You're just going <laughs> to yeah, just, just find go recordings of people like, uh, I loaded the popcorn machine today and thought I was going to be fine. You know, like these. <laughs> Jeff, really bleak. Jeff, what is going on with you today, man? Just... What do you mean? I'm living in a goddamn quarantine, dude. 
what is going all, on with you. It's so weird, Jeff. It's so weird that the, what what could possibly be going on with you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think the difference is um, Dave is the only one who doesn't have kids during the pandemic. And yeah. uh, let me tell you, Dave, we are losing it. It's, it's slipping <laughs> away little by little. <laughs> Thank, thank you, Devendra. Tell thank me, you. tell me about it, guys. Tell me, tell me about it. Like, uh, no, I'm bad. serious. Like, I'm it's serious. Bad. Literally, I'm asking you to tell me about it. Like, what, what is going on? Can I right tell now? you like, the the two the the three hours between four o'clock and seven <laughs> o'clock when we start recording this? Yeah, are the worst hours in the world <laughs> because uh, it's just. Let, let me paint you a picture. Just, just what's paint been happening. Me a my, my week. Paint me right? a picture. So uh, we're in this crazy quarantine, uh, which means there's no place to take your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am in charge of my children from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mostly, my wife helps out, and but she's working from four to five, and then we got to juggle back and forth who's cooking and who's taking care of the kids. All of that we've done for many months. Here's the difference this week. It's 112 degrees at my house. So that means you can't go outside at all, or you may spontaneously combust. And my children are like trapped monkeys, you know? The the big reason parents go outside with their kids, by the way, is just to let them get tired. All you're doing them tired. You just want to get them tired. They, they, They will not sleep. Unless they are tired. Therefore, you must go out. And they yeah, so, almost man, will Jeff. not sleep anyway. Yeah. Tired is the only chance you have. <laughs> so, yeah, you take them to, to the park so they can run around in circles for an hour. You go out the backyard if you have a backyard. You, uh, We just procured through great effort because they've been sold out since pandemic started. We just procured a swing set for our backyard, which has been oh, a, Jeff, a yes. lifesaver. Yeah. Except that when it's 112 degrees outside, you can't do swings because the swing is literally too hot for your little child's ass. And you can't you can't stand there more than 48 seconds pushing them on the swings before you See, melt. What you got to do is you run the sprinkler, although that, that's a waste of water. But uh, I, I here in Georgia, it can get very, very hot. So sometimes I have to just like douse a swing in a bottle of water or like just a little bit. <laughs> Just so she could, just so if he could sit in the swing for a little bit, not even for very long. But uh, yeah. let me tell you, parents are not at parks for fun, for their fun. They're <laughs> at parks, like why people take their dogs to dog walks, you know, or to a, yeah. a dog run. It's just to run, just to get that out. Yes. So yes. I, I feel for you, Jeff. You have two kids. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. So anyway, the, the three hours between four and seven are attempting to wrangle children into eating. For some reason, they have no desire to eat. They'll never eat. For, yeah. They have no desire to do that. And then the in, the tornado that they create of a mess in preventing the eating, because the food has to go somewhere. It's not in their mouths. It's going to be on the floor, on the ceiling, on the table. And so there's this, this Herculean task of wrangling the children, trying to harness their energy in some kind of productive manner, then trying to get them to have any nourishment whatsoever dealing with their screaming and 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 uh, their resistance to that then somehow pushing them into the bathtub to wipe off to wash off all of the food that has been caked in their hair and on their face and in their ears and then you have to force them to get into the bath 
And then once they're in the bath, they do not want to get out of the bath. You had to persuade them to get into the bath and now you can't get them out of the bath. And then it's just, please go to bed. Just please, please lay down. Please. And, by, and by the way, they will wake up in the middle of the night because they didn't eat the food. Right. Yeah. Oh, you starving. Right. All afternoon yes. making them. So, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Dave, enjoy enjoy your freedom right now. Just enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that's just, I just wanted, that's the lead in <laughs> to the seven o'clock hour, which is, uh, hey, let's talk about movies on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jeff. You started uh, that whole segment by saying, let me paint you a picture, mm. which, which is what oh. you did. Right? Oh, this is going to be a, such an awesome segue. Sorry, Perfect. go ahead. Perfect. So good. And it leads in, it reminds me actually of our sponsor this week called Paint Your Life. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I posted a photo of the three of us, us guys on the side Swimcast that was composited by Danny Syed, friend of the podcast. And there was a mystery as to why I needed that photo. Were we starting a lawyer business? Mm, um, you maybe. know, a lot of people speculated that we were side we were, hustle. We were going to be we were going to become dentists, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a good, perfect thing to start during COVID. But the reality, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality of the situation is, we made that photo with Danish in order to demonstrate the full power and might of Paint Your Life, right? paintyourlife.com gives you a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Now, when you're thinking of some person, a skilled artist, painting a photo, hand-painting it uh, with love, care, and skill, you think, gotta cost at least a couple thousand dollars, right? Gotta cost at least a couple thousand dollars. Not so at paintyourlife.com. You get a painting at an affordable price. Um, You can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. The user-friendly platform at paintyourlife.com lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's quick and easy, and you can get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. Now, what are some ideas for what you can send with paintyourlife.com? Send any picture of yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, or, in our case, your favorite three film podcast hosts, right? Mm-hmm. You can combine photos into one painting. And I will say- That's why we did a picture of Mark Marin, Joe Rogan, <laughs> <laughs> and Conan O'Brien. <laughs> it makes a really great birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. I mean, can you imagine like surprising someone with a hand-painted portrait of, of people that aren't us. Uh, it's it's amazing. And so basically, uh, right now, on the Slash Filmcast Twitter feed, I'm going to tweet, at, at, literally as we're doing this, right as we're recording this right now, I'm going to tweet out the painting we got from paintyourlife.com. And you will it's see... It's extraordinary. It's, it's extraordinary. It is, it's incredible. It, it's yeah. kind of gobsmacking. <laughs> that it, I mean, it looks, it, it looks amazing. I want it. <laughs> I legit want it. And yeah, yes. Will I put it up uh, in my house between two bookcases so that only I can be seen? <laughs> no, I, I genuinely love it. I genuinely it, it, love it. Amazing. It is incredible. And uh, we were all blown away by the quality of the painting. And re- I think it really captures Devendra's essence. In my oh, yeah. I think it captures all of our essence. I think it does a good job. Of ma- There's a lot of like Vigo Carpathian, Vigo the Carpathian <laughs> yes. energy in this painting. Yes. And I love it. 
It, it's painting, an incredible yeah. painting, and, and so you should stay tuned because we have plans for this painting that we will reveal at a later time. But Dude. in the meantime, you can check out what this painting looks like at twitter.com slash slash filmcast. And that, should be their, that should be their motto is, do you want a Carpathian yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you want to become that, an immortal, you know, being? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. Uh, you're thinking, well, Dave, this sounds amazing, but is there is there a deal for Slash Filmcast listeners? The answer is yes. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk, by the way. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Wow. Right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's F-I-L-M to 64,000. Text film to 64,000. 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. All right, let's move on. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, you know what? Let's start with you, Devendra. What have you been watching this week? Sure. Um, I've been on a uh, uncharacteristic uh, DC streak this week. I've been checking out some stuff that's on HBO Max. And specifically, Doom Patrol, which is, you've probably seen the show, like, in the in the previews or up there on the HBO Max banner. Um, I've heard about it for a while. People have talked to me about it. And I decided to give it a shot uh, just because I'm, I'm in for something a little different. And let me tell you guys, this show is weird. It is, it is about a group of um, dysfunctional kind of loser superheroes. Not even superheroes. They're people with powers but the powers are also like kind of like a curse for them which we've seen that before it's weird it's really weird it's <laughs> it's like the x-men by way of like some bonkers universe um their professor x is timothy dalton the guy yeah. the lead yeah the lead guy is freaking it's brendan fraser in a robot suit um the cast in the show is just all over the place uh the first episode, the narration, I'm not, I think future episodes will have that too. It's by Alan Tudyk, who plays a fantastic uh, supervillain with a really cool design. It's a weird, weird show because it's really all about these people and like just how much, um, how broken they are. Uh, Brenda Fraser is a former race car driver who is in a horrific accident. And the only thing that survives is his brain. In a in a robot suit, Matt Bomer from Chuck and a whole bunch of things. He's in this. He he's a former like uh, a potential astronaut who has been absorbed by space energy, and he has to live in like an invisible man costume, so he has no face or anything. Uh, there's uh, there's a girl, um, Elastigirl. She has like um, was it Miss Fantastic powers? Except her elastic is like she just melts like putty. Like it's not it's not like a fun actiony way of elastic powers. It's just like you lose all corporeal. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not, it's not like Incredibles no. or you become uh, a blob. Mr. You Mr. basically Fantastic. become yeah. a blob. And uh, Diane Guerrero's in this playing Crazy Jane, a woman with like fifty different personalities, and they all have like different per- powers. It is it is this ragtag group of people who are trapped in this mansion, uh, with, helped out by this rich guy played by Timothy Dalton. Um, and really, that's it. He's a rich guy who's trying to save and help these people who have no place in the world. And um, through 
circumstance and a lot of issues, um, you know, they become exposed and then the supervillains are after them. And I have not seen, I've seen a couple episodes at this point, so I'm not sure like how, where the show goes, but I have to say the first episode alone sold me. It is super weird and super heartbreaking at times too. Cause they're all, it reminds me of like some of my favorite shows of just like absolute losers who will never win at anything. So like Firefly, it's very much Firefly. It's very much uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, you know, if you like that sort of thing, I think the show is uh, full of that. There's a lot of heart to it, too. And I have to say, it also doesn't look like um, it looks so much better than the freaking like CW uh, DC shows, which not to knock them too much. I, I think like they I know a lot of people like those. And I think they fit a certain niche. But for me, I want like maybe a slightly bigger budget. I want like better cinematography, um, you know, actors who I think um, better writing in general. Like this, this show is funny. It's heartbreaking. Um, it's also just incredibly weird. And I hear just from, you know, talking to people, it gets even weirder. So if you're looking for like a clean break on the whole superhero genre and everything, like, um, especially if you're, you want to see something that's taking the idea of superpowers differently than something like project power, uh, which we also will talk about and how it approaches superpowers, uh, com- you know, very differently than other things. I would highly recommend this. This is Doom Patrol. It is on HBO Max. And I don't know if that DC Universe thing is still happening, but it it, it started there. But now it's on HBO Max, too. Cool. Yeah, it has like a 96% Rotten Tomatoes. So mm-hmm. apparently uh, a lot of people like it. Uh, it's real good. So- also, it's rated R. So that's nice. It is there. <laughs> there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of nudity. Like it is, it is a superhero show unlike the most of the stuff you see on cable and TV these days. But so it's on HBO max and like, this is season two that's recently airing, right? Cause season, season two one, just aired, but yeah, it's season all one was there. back in 2019. So, yep. Uh, well that's doom patrol. Devinder, what else have you been watching? I've also been checking out Harley Quinn, the animated show that's also on HBO max right now. And I also think also believe started on DC universe. Um, this is a series uh, created by Justin Halper and Dean Laurie and Patrick Schumacher who I believe also listens to the show. So uh, there's that. It's really cool to see. Um, if you if you think of like what Birds of Prey did with the Harley Quinn story, this takes that same basic concept of her trying to become her own person separate from the Joker and just like makes it completely bonkers. It is an absolute insane version of Gotham City. It is Gotham City by way of the Venture Brothers. And I absolutely love it. And also, Alan Tudyk, the great Alan Tudyk, shows up once again. Um, and he is the voice of the Joker, too, which is Yeah, this fantastic. show is brilliant, dude. It's, so it's brilliant. It's it's completely unexpected for, my, for, for me because mm-hmm. uh, my friend David said, you have to watch this. Trust me, you have to watch this. And I like DC animated stuff. But you didn't mention... You, know, you talk about Doom Patrol being R-rated. Yep, this, is R-rated. this is some R-rated cartoon right here. And it is, I think, so much better than the Harley Quinn movie, just mm-hmm. on a conceptual level. But also, it goes there in such a great way. It is really funny, really smart. The jokes, I mean, it is taking the piss out of all of the DC universe, right? It's <laughs> yeah. Commissioner Gordon is this like pathetic sad sack uh who has nothing going for him except turning on drunk, the bad or maybe some... drinking too much coffee but also played by christopher maloney yeah brilliant beautiful job it, it is it, it takes the piss out of 
uh, the Joker. It's very sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, girl power in, in, you know, Poison Ivy is this just incredible character. And the jokes, I mean, it is ripping on DC lore. There's it throwaway gags all the time. Like you might see out of something like um, uh, Arrested Development. It's that kind of humor where like it'll cut to Calendar Man who's sitting on the side and he's like, what day is it, Calendar Man? He's like, man, you know, it is it's goofy (laughs) and fun and smart. And, and great, great, do- great cast, by the way, too. Because speaking of uh, Arrested Development, Tony Hale's in it. Uh, Harley Can- Harley Quinn is played by Kelly Cuoco, and Lake Bell is Poison Ivy. Like, amazing. You'll notice these voices. Uh, they got Diedrich uh, Bader, is it Bader? But a uh, guy from, uh, what's his face? Uh, Drew Carey show. And you've seen him all around. But he is Batman. And yeah. he has that great Batman voice. It is perfect. It's- it's f bombs all over the place. Ultra violent. I mean, Harley Quinn dismembers people. It is, but it's drawn like old Paul Dini Batman mm-hmm. co- TV shows. You know, it's it's like the old Batman animated series style, but done hard R, very much for adults. It is. It was a complete surprise to me, and so much fun. I think that's it. It's very irreverent. Like it's just, it's always so funny. And even though it's like a normal, the episodes are like what, 23 minutes long. They're so dense with like humor and references and everything. Like it is every episode is a journey. So highly recommend it. Watch this and doom patrol together. And uh, you know, it's a good escape from the world right now. All right. That's the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO max right now. Uh, man, HBO really, uh, HBO Max really delivering these days, huh? Well, we're really just taking over all the all the good DC stuff. But yeah, it it was very smart of them to bring these shows away from DC Universe because I I would never subscribe to DC Universe. Are you kidding me? Even even no matter how cool Doom Patrol sounds, I it would have to be in something like this for me to to discover it. I will say I, I haven't mentioned this in several weeks, and I don't need to go off on a huge rant on it, but <laughs> it is very very frustrating to me that my Roku cannot play HBO Max. Oh, man. I, I have HBO Max. Yeah. I get it as part of my subscription, but simply because I use a Roku, nah, sorry, you're screwed. So I, I have a, an old Apple TV uh, set-top box that I switch to just to watch HBO Max, even though I hate the Apple TV interface with the passion of a thousand suns. <laughs> uh, it's the only way I can watch HBO Max and that that needs to be sorted out. All of that is so frustrating. It's so anti-consumer to me that you know there's these deals and they're saying screw you Roku. And I think there's an I think the fire, the Amazon fire, is the same way where like mm-hmm. you can't get yep. HBO Max on that. It's so stupid, and I so it stupid. makes me frustrated. And I think yeah. it, I mean Disney Plus had similar issues too across some of these things. So it is up to its licensing negotiations between these companies, but it sucks because ultimately it does hurt consumers. Yeah, I hate it. Makes me so mad. Devendra, you also finished the Perry Mason series on HBO. Uh, how was the first season? Uh, worth taking the journey? I think it's worth watching. Um, I mentioned like I, when I first talked about it, like I don't I don't think it's like perfect. I think they had some work to do, but I love the look of the show. I think uh, with it, Massey Reese is like fantastic um, as as Perry Mason in like noir detective mode, but. I think by the end and certainly the finale, I don't know. It feels like they didn't quite know how they wanted to bring the show back because, but you know, Perry Mason, we know him as guy in the courtroom. You know, he is that show 
was the courtroom drama. It created the courtroom drama and every court scene you've seen in movies and TV is basically inspired by what Perry Mason started. We don't actually see him doing court stuff and becoming a lawyer until like uh, halfway through the season. So it is very much the Batman Begins of Perry Mason. I'm not sure if we needed some of this stuff. And I do think like the finale just feels like very weird and lifeless. Like there, there is a scene where you get the classic Perry Mason moment where he is like shouting, uh, you know, shouting at one of the witnesses and trying to get them to um, basically admit to the crime, right? Which was the thing that always happened in Perry Mason. Like he was such a good lawyer. He could argue you to you proving that you, you know, you admitting you were guilty. That sort of happens here. But they also make fun of it in in a way, in a throw off way, like, oh, that'll never happen. And what does actually happen is like a very weird trial that doesn't feel very dramatic or interesting. So I would like to see more of the show. I think um, I think the core cast is good. And I think the way they brought it together and the look of it is is really fun. But this feels like one of those season ones where they're still trying to, like, figure out what the show actually is. I hope season two can kind of like, you know, get, get a better handle of it. It is worth watching. If you like noir stuff, if you want like a good courtroom drama in your life. Um, and there's some good stuff to you. Like uh, Tatiana Maslany is fantastic in this. And she goes really hard in this sort of like, she plays the head of an evangelical type church. And she's somebody who gets visions from God and things like that. And she really gives her all for that performance. And what's weird is that we spend so much time with her and that church. And a lot of it doesn't actually matter for the finale. It is strange. So, yeah, I hope they get better in season two. I I think it is off to a good start, just not a great start or a great end to the season. All right. Well, that's the Perry Mason series. And it just finished airing its first season on HBO slash HBO Max. That's what the Avengers been watching. Let's uh, keep on the HBO Max train. And I will mention uh, a show called Frayed. Have any hmm. of you guys heard of this show? Yeah, yeah. Frayed? Frayed uh, not. <laughs> wow. Did you hear what I said, Dave? <laughs> Did you hear what I said about Frayed? Really? Took the well, air out of the you, room there. You know, you know, while while we're uh, while we're, you know, all just relaxing here, hanging out yeah. in the podcast, I can't yeah. help but notice that. On your show notes, I don't see Lovecraft Country anywhere, despite you guys relentlessly giving me shit about it on last week's um, podcast. Would have been really nice <laughs> to uh, be able to watch it in a convenient time. However, uh, some of us had to cram in watching uh, Project Power uh, <laughs> Sunday night after recording his uh, 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 video game podcast. Huh. So. That didn't, there was no, I'm actually hoping to watch uh, it tonight with my wife after we record here, but no, I did not have the time. Would have been really lovely (laughs) to be able to watch it ahead of time at some sort of dop. Mm. Okay. No, uh, fair enough. enough. Really, really open up those wounds again, Dave. Yeah. I I literally have not had time because (laughs) my life is a hellfire and, uh, would have been, would have been great to carve out that little bit of time. To see it. Dave's watched it four times now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and released a podcast episode about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, Frayed is a new show on HBO Max. Uh, it used to be a, uh, I think, on Sky TV in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it's, it premiered there last fall, but it just hit HBO Max. I'll read the plot summary. Uh, A wealthy London housewife is forced to return to her hometown of Newcastle, Australia, 
upon her return home, she's forced to confront her difficult past that led her to leave as a teenager in the first place. So yeah, it's about this woman who goes like leaves from London, uh, Australia, goes to London, uh, and in the very first episode, uh, very very first moments of the first episode, her husband dies, and uh, it's one of those situations where oh wow, all his wealth was built on an illusion, kind of thing. And so she loses everything and she needs to go back to Australia where she came from and confront the people and the family members that she left behind and like deal with exactly why she left them behind. And I thought the show was quite solid. I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where I started watching it and I'm like, oh, let's give it a shot. And then like by the, you know, hours later, I'm like on episode six uh, and each episode is an hour long. I will say the final episode threw some curveballs at me that I was not ready for, and I'll leave it at that. I'm going to be as vague as possible about that. But overall, I had a good time with the show. I thought the characters were really endearing, and it's one of those shows where like, uh, you meet a bunch of side characters, and you're, you're really invested in all of these side plots. You know, you're like, the, the protagonist is arguably one of the least interesting parts of the show. Like all these other characters that you meet, you're like, oh man, I want to know what happens to that character. I want to know if that character succeeds in life, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a delight and I would recommend it. The show is Frayed. That's F-R-A-Y-E-D. And that is a terrible title for the show, I have to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it does nothing to evoke what the show is or what it's about. So, I mean, I guess like her life is frayed, I guess is, is how it is conceived. But, uh, yeah, uh, do not be turned off by the title. The show is very solid. So that is Frayed. It's on HBO Max. Jeff Canada, why don't we thank our sponsor for this week? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Um, our sponsor is Quip. Oh, I love my Quip. I love my Quip. Hey, if you went right now and walked into whatever bathroom your toothbrush is in and you picked up your toothbrush out of whatever strange container you dropped it into the last time you brushed your teeth and you looked honestly at that toothbrush, what would you see? Would you see sad, compressed little bristles? Would you see a a brush head that is far beyond its most usefulness? You probably would. If you're anything like me, that's exactly how my life was. I would keep a toothbrush for years and dentists recommend that you actually replace your bristles, your brush head, your toothbrush every three months. But guess what? With Quip, now my life has changed. Now I am replacing my brush head every three months. Why? Because I don't have to do it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. It just shows up as a subscription in my mailbox with a cool little bag that has a new battery for my Quip, a new brush head, and new toothpaste. You can even get floss so you have your perfect oral hygiene kit delivered to you every three months so you can replace your, and oh, I gotta tell you, what a, what a quality of life improvement to have fresh bristle, bristles every three months. It's so simple, it's so easy. Plus, the Quip toothpaste, toothbrush takes care of the actual brushing process for me as well because now I'm always brushing for at least two minutes, which is the dentist-recommended amount of time to brush. Didn't really do that before Quip either, but now the Quip pulses every 30 seconds and turns itself off after two minutes, so I never have to think about it. I don't have to look at a clock. 
I don't have to go, how long have I been brushing? And my mind was wandering. No, Quip takes care of that. It's sonic bristles are massaging my teeth and gums, making me have better oral hygiene. It's pretty wonderful. So get yourself a Quip. Get yourself, they started just 25 bucks. Get yourself the subscription, which is just five bucks every three months. And we will actually help you out. That's right. If you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash filmcast spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. All right, let's move on. Jeff Canato, what have you been watching this week? Well, I, uh, as part of the slash tag, hashtag slash tag movement, uh, I have been uh, paying more attention to things that people have requested I watch or suggested I watched or, or recommended I watch. And there has been one fellow who's had a multi-year effort to get me to re-watch Schenectady, New York. Uh, Peter Hart on Twitter. I, I believe it's Synecdoche. F- yes. F- FYI. Yeah. That's what and, I said. Uh, okay. And also. Synecdoche. Um, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I I, I'm pretty sure I tried to uh, get you to watch this as well. So. Um, yeah. But it's cool that it's cool that, you know, this guy on the Internet was able to get you to watch it, even though when I said it, you know, it's what, great. Not even, Dave, even what, worth mentioning. It's right? great how what, that works. Dave, what hashtag did you use? Uh, I, I I didn't use a hashtag. I kind of just well, there you go. For, oh. There you go. Oh, how, how could Jeff oh. remember? I don't know. There, there you uh, go, Jeff. This seems like a rough time to go to a movie that is about the um I don't know the impending death we all face mm, mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the doom yep. of oblivion. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I wonder why 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 do this now? Um, <laughs> worst time or best time. <laughs> Uh, well, Peter made the case on on the Twitters uh, using using the hashtag that uh, that because we are about to have ourselves a new movie uh, from uh, Charlie Kaufman. acclaimed acclaimed filmmaker Charlie Kaufman uh, that it would be a good time for me to revisit and re uh, you know maybe reclassify what he considered to be. Charlie Kaufman's best movie. Now, I have never, for some reason, Synecdoche, whatever, however it's pronounced, uh, <laughs> Synecdoche, Synecdoche, Synecdoche. I, yes, yes, exactly, exactly what I said. Uh, I've never connected to that movie, Connecticut to it, but uh, it is. <laughs> I wow. love Charlie Kaufman's movies. I love his movies. I love his point of view. I love his sort of bizarre, magical. Uh, storytelling techniques and I wanted to love that movie I remember reviewing it originally when it came out and wanting to love it and it just it just I missed it I couldn't it couldn't find a way into it and I thought and and Peter suggested that you know I have more life experience I'm now I have a family it's and I have to admit that re-watching the first I don't know half an hour which is really uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as a uh you know, family man who feels trying to be creative in the, in the structure of a family, definitely things that resonated for me, right? Those are, those are difficult emotions and, and feeling like, you know, there's, there's moments that happen that are really sort of non sequitur moments at the beginning of the movie, uh, 
that I'm like, oh, that, 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 like a kid in the back seat. I can't remember what happens in the movie, but there's a, there's a moment that I went, oh, I've lived that now, right? The first time I saw this movie, I hadn't lived it, but I've lived these moments where the kid's saying some weird thing and the parents responding in some bizarre way. I'm like, oh, when I watched it the first time as a single person, it felt like texture and now it feels like truth, right? Um, and so in that sense, I connected more with the where the movie starts and where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character starts and his sort of grand desire to be, uh, to have an artistic vision and to express something artistic. I, I've certainly felt that, right? I'm trying to be an artist, <laughs> I will say, uh, in, the, in the context of having a family. It's not easy. It's not an easy life. And so in that sense, I think I understood the movie in a different way, but it still derails for me. It still feels like it phrased, <laughs> to use frayed, uh, it feels like it loses a spine at a certain point and becomes about a whole number of things that, to me, don't coalesce into a cohesive whole in the same way that adaptation or um, um, any of his other movies, frankly, any of his other movies do. I feel like they all sort of are singular in their, and maybe that's, maybe that's what Peter and others, you guys uh, like about this movie, that it is more ambitious and it is grander in scope. But I still felt like by the end, I didn't walk away moved or affected in the same way I am with Kaufman's other movies. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a completely reasonable reaction. The movie definitely defies conventional narrative conventions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not a normal movie really. Um, it's difficult to comprehend. Uh, and I remember the first time I watched it, cause here, here's the thing I would argue, right? When you watch Charlie Kaufman's movies, uh, and they are created through, like they're filtered through another director. I feel like those directors bring kind of some discipline to it, right? I mean, right. Eternal Sunshine, yeah. you know, um, adaptation, like these movies, Spike Jones, right? And um, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Um, who did Eternal Sunshine? Michelle Gondry, right? He did Eternal Sunshine? Yeah, Michelle Gondry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like these directors take these like amazing wild ideas and uh, they are able to like form it into something that's like cohesive and compelling. And uh, this is, is I think the first movie that he directed himself. Right. And it yeah, just feels so. like it's just completely unchained. Right. And for, for good or ill. I remember the first time I watched this, I found it very, very alienating. Um but that's a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> looking back on it, looking back on it, um, there's many things I appreciate about it. You know, things, things that really pissed me off the first time when I watched it, like the woman buying the house that's on fire that she's going to mm -hmm. die in. Right. It's like, yeah. okay, stupid. You know, I thought when I first watched it, now that I've done that in my life, bought a house that is, <laughs> Might as well be on fire for as <laughs> many problems as it yeah, gives me. No, yeah. but but the you know the idea right the idea behind it is that like many people end up like you don't think about it at the time, but oftentimes when people buy a house, they're buying the house that they're going to die in, and um and he's he's just taking the implied, he's taking the things that we all don't like to think about and don't like to talk about at parties, and he's making it literal and thrusting right. it in your face, and uh and I appreciate that you know yeah. um. 
Uh, I also think it's and also like moments of the movie stick out to me. Like the opening sequence is really, really there's there's these montages of Mm -hmm. like where massive quantities of time are passing. I don't know if you noticed, but Jeff, like the opening scene, right? Um, A massive quantity of time passes by in the opening scene. Like Mm -hmm. you hear the radio, you see the newspaper and they're all like different dates. And you're like fast forwarding through time, basically. And it's like. That's what happens when you get older is like you fast forward through time. And finally, speaking of getting older, there's a scene that always stuck out to me in the movie where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is pissing blood. And I was just like, what is up with the, you know, why is he pissing or not pissing blood? But it's pooping blood. But there's like his urine is a big, really, really dark. Basically, it looks like unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. I think it's fecal matter, but I don't, I may, not urine. I, I, because there's a lot of stuff about colors of poop, like the kid poops. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know, and... I know what you're talking about. There's also a scene where he's peeing, and it looks like mm. it's not. That doesn't look good. And um, and, and and basically, the the movie, in my opinion, right, one of the one of its many themes, and it has many themes, is like about uh, how we are all living in bodies that are slowly decomposing, and like how horrifying that thought is, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's a real pick me up, basically, is what I'm good to, to be say. reminded of it. Well, you know what, Jeff? If you didn't like that, his next movie is coming to Netflix now or soon. It's called "I'm Thinking of Ending Things," which <laughs> yeah, feels appropriate. Well, I, I, I must admit, it's not the it's not the the point of view or the doer nature of it that I recoil from, or, or not recoil. I'm not recoiling, but I, that I didn't respond to. I, I mean, I love when a movie goes there and is bleak and uh, self-pitying, <laughs> I, I can certainly get on board with that. Uh, but it, it, to me, it just felt like it was too many things. Like there's this frustrated artist angle that I kind of wish the movie was all about because I feel that very profoundly. And I like when movies explore that, this, this like almost maniacal uh, drive toward truth that he, you know, to the point where he's literally created an entire world with millions of extras and it's never going to come out. And he's, I mean, that's, that's a, a metaphor that for anybody in a, in a creative endeavor that where it's like in your head and you're trying, you're doing so many things and it's, it's, it's feature creep and bloating in your head where to the point where it's just unmanageable and kind of doesn't make any sense anyway. Like all of that resonates, but it, it's never the central theme. It's never focused enough there's all these other things as you said like you know the the body deteriorating time as a as a uh elusive element in our lives and relationships like a bunch of relationship stuff in the movie that sort of gets in the way and makes it all messy to me and maybe the messy is the point but i i wish there had been a just a stronger spine to the whole thing that gave me a you know led me through the chaos a bit better yeah, I do think that it's that that is one of the things that makes it remarkable is it is just completely unhinged. It, there's no it just feels like the narrative is run completely out of control by the end of the movie, right? And yeah. that's and that's one of the things that makes it special, but I can understand why you, you'd find it off-putting. Uh I also found it fascinating. Do you guys see this interview that David Ehrlich did with Charlie Kaufman in 2016? I don't know, it's from a long time ago. But basically Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. in this interview laments that he did not capitalize on his opportunities in in life and like he i it seems from reading this interview like directing is really his passion right Um, right. and he um he says quote i feel like the stuff that i write is personal and i would like to be in charge of it 
Um, but then he says, quote, there aren't many people champing at the bit to hire me as a director. And I've really held out with things for years now because that's what I want, end quote. Right. And there's this kind of tragedy that like his movies that he directed um, uh, or Synecdoche specifically didn't do very well. Right. Um, Anomalisa, for- same deal. Yeah. Anomalisa didn't do very well. Right. Anomalisa yeah. and Synecdoche didn't do very well. And so in, in that sense, it's actually kind of uh, awesome that like Netflix which is super overcapitalized right now is able to like support Charlie Kaufman and have him direct a movie. Right. Like, Listen, yeah. like independent minded, you know, artists and directors, they have all like, it is the studios with too much money. That's really always helped them out. So it's weird that Netflix is the one right now, but yeah, yeah. I'm looking yeah, forward so, to seeing this, even though it sounds incredibly depressing. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. I think it's a horror a movie. Filmmaker. Just in yeah, time. He, he is a, he has a, as a filmmaker is, it's just is always fascinating. Even even this movie, which again doesn't connect to me as much as others of his oeuvre, uh, I w- was happy to watch again. It, it's certainly watchable and fascinating, and you see this crazy mind at work. So yeah, I'm, I'm even his failures. I think are interesting. I don't wouldn't call it a failure, but even ones that don't work as well for me, uh, I find interesting, and I'm very much looking forward to his next. All right, that's Synecdoche, New York. Jeff, I'm just going to move on if that's cool. Uh, I guess, Dave. <laughs> unless you want to, do you really want to mention the other thing? I, I kind of do. Okay. Yeah, I kind of do, All real right. quick. All right. I, I'll, be, I'll be fast. Um, I'm sorry, I won't, I won't be long here. Um, I talked about Grand Designs last week, and Devinder and I both uh, went uh, a little gaga over the show. I went and watched an episode because because you because I didn't see it on your what you've been watching, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was waiting until you mentioned it to talk about it, Jeff. But okay. Oh, but then you tried to not have me mention it. So uh, checkmate. (laughs) What did you think of it? Well, I wasn't super psyched that you spoiled it for me, but it was still a delightful episode. Uh, oh, you watched the exact episode I, I watched mentioned? the exact episode that you teased slash spoiled on the podcast. Okay. And it was, uh, it was, fasc- it was completely fascinating. Completely fascinating. Well, I'm about to recommend another episode. Are you, are you going to spoil gonna... this one as well? Yeah, probably. No, I, I will try not to, but I don't know if even I can. I mean, I guess I can. And I mm. guess I might. But here's... <laughs> So as I said, on Netflix, there are two seasons of Grand Designs, which is a long-running, 20-year-long-running uh, staple of British television uh, about people designing and building homes. Uh, and there are two seasons on Netflix. I don't know what the reason for that is, but the two seasons are season 10 and season 15. So in season 15, the final episode of season 15 on Netflix is episode nine. It is an episode called Herefordshire 2. And I think this episode is about as close to a religious experience as I've ever had. Wow. I'm not even joking. Wow. I'm not even joking. Wow. It's, it is, um, it's profound, frankly. Uh, and there's nothing like it. I mean, there's, there are documentaries like it, but the idea that this is an episode of television is wild to me because it follows a family who builds a house over 10 years, a decade. And this is the ep- one episode of television that Summed they came up. out with. Yeah. And it like, it, it, the first footage that they show wasn't even shot in HD. 
because it was shot like before <laughs> stuff was being shown on TV in HD. Yeah, it's crazy. And why it, I described it as a religious experience is it's because it's about a guy and his family who live off the land in this tiny little place called Herefordshire, and he builds a house for ten years. And his children grow up, and he's still building the house. Yeah. This and is Synecdoche, New York, by the way, basically. It is, I think it's more profound. Yeah. It, 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 it's what I wish that movie was. Mm -hmm. Because it, 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 you, it is about time passing. It's about doing the doing. It's about setting a goal and having the pride of craftsmanship not to rush it. The house that is created is extraordinary but what's most extraordinary about it is that every tiny little thing in it was designed was 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 wrestled over was the result of passion from one person that this guy cut down trees in his his area reclaimed uh materials that other people were throwing in the garbage and built this beautiful thing out of it slowly, deliberately, without any kind of sense of the... I mean, this show, Grand Designs, for the most part, is about people freaking out because building a house is really hard and never goes well, right? The, the show is mostly about how people are don't have enough money and what are we going to do and how mm -hmm. oh, we have to stop because the contractors needs this and oh my gosh, there's a weather problem. And also the people are typically very annoying. Like it's, it's people <laughs> yeah. with way too much money who have crazy ideas for building, you know, the perfect dream house. Whereas this, yeah, and, then, much more and then like get in their own way by yeah, insisting yeah. on certain stupid things. They're like, <laughs> just don't do that. You know, um, <laughs> this episode is about a family who just goes, this is the process and we're content and we're patient and we're determined. And th they, to me, I was like, these are the best people in the world. These are the best people. They have the smallest footprint ecologically. They have, they actually, you know, make the world better and they just, they just seem like the best people. They seem at peace. They seem uh, full of purpose and full of contentment. It, it is, I, I, I was like, I, can't, I could never live like this, but I wish I could because mm -hmm. it, it felt like, oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing what, and they, to, to be honest, there's no religious element in, in it at all. There's no, they're, they're not espousing any kind of, philosophy or lifestyle or anything uh but it seemed very zen to me it, feel, it seemed very pure and beautiful like exquisitely beautiful how they live their life and i i watched it and went this is inspiring this is a beautiful way to live and so anybody listening to this i highly highly recommend if you have netflix Episode nine of season 15, it's called Herefordshire 2. It moved me and it, it really affected me. I've been thinking about it ever since. It is, it's an extraordinary thing. That's lovely. Which episode was that again, Jeff? Episode nine of season 15, it's called Herefordshire 2. 
Right. And the show is Grand Designs. That's what we've been watching this week. Let's move on. Uh, before we get to our weekly plugs and our review, we got to thank all the people who donated to the podcast this week. Thanks to the following people who donated at the rate of a couple dollars a month. Uh, Richard Perez, Dean Bogart, Yoan Lavalli, Alexander Barry, and James Duvall IV. I believe those people were uh, monthly donors. They might have been also just regular donors. I apologize if I got that mixed up, but definitely they all donated something. So thanks to all those people. Thanks also to donors Brandon Tate, Bobby Martin, and Richard from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, who writes, Dave Devinger and Jeff have been a listener since 2008 and a donor since 2011, but occasionally I discover my PayPal subscription has stopped for some reason, so I go back to SlashFilm.com and start it up again. Well, this has happened to me enough times that I decided to finally do the math and figure out exactly how many months I've missed. I know that Dave has access to free virtual movie premieres, but hopefully this donation helps Jeff and Devinger to cover the cost of some VOD movie rentals for upcoming episodes. I, I remember where I was when I listened to your conversation with Armand White about Inception, and I love that you try to involve diverse voices and opinions in your discussion. Like so many other listeners, I've enjoyed being along for the ride as the show has grown and evolved and will continue to listen and support you guys for as long as you choose to keep the show going, or at least until your collective descent into madness is complete. Thanks for all the energy and love you guys put out into the show every week, and thanks for taking the time to read this note. From what do you think our eventual descent into madness being complete will sound like? <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll sound like this episode, honestly. Uh, you yeah, this is the exactly. completion. This is the completion of our madness. It'll, it'll, okay, no, you're right. It'll sound I like the episode. Are. It'll sound like the episode we record in three weeks. Basically, <laughs> I, think, I was just going to say I think you highly underestimate how mad we may be. <laughs> Scott from Boston had a donation as well. He says, thank you for continuing to work so hard consistently to entertain all of us. What ensued after Devendra said, apparently not Lovecraft Country on last week's episode of Slash Filmcast had me laughing for days. Shout out to Josh Snyder for recommending you years ago. Thanks, Scott, for the donation. Thanks to everyone for the very generous donations this week. And if you want to contribute to the podcast, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. It's paypal.me slash the word filmcast cast now uh we want to get to our weekly plugs this week and last week we introduced our weekly plug music by noah ross this week we got an unsolicited email from thomas medina writing into slash filmcast gmail.com let me actually read this email okay so thomas medina writes into slash filmcast gmail.com hi dave upon hearing the jingle for your new segment weekly plugs i thought something was missing after playing around with the audio, that's something still eludes me, but here's my work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, as always, for the great show. So this is Thomas writing in from Australia. Uh, he had a remix of the Weekly Plugs music. Jeff, you want to play it for us? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is weird. I wanted them to be super excited. Rods, reels, and romance. So good. We are texting each other furiously. I love that you did that. Unsolicited. Let me tell you. I think in a way, it takes a lot to get us to furiously text. So good. Unsolicited. All over the place. So good. So good. Let the internet have its way. Plugs. 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 But we'll cut. We might cut it down. My favorite part is the end. You say, "Well, we might cut it down." I mean, I have no idea what that was, but oh, it wasn't beautiful. It, it was wasn't good. bad. It, it was good bad. to hear uh, voices other than Dave. Uh, <laughs> put it that way. 
I mean, I think the big question is, should we use that or the nor- the original music for weekly plugs? I mean, you why not uh, ping back, back and forth? Yeah, you know? back and forth, whatever. It seems like people can just make something and we'll just play it. So <laughs> we'll see how far yeah. it goes. It seems like we have literally zero standards at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks for Thomas from Australia for that piece of music. Thanks to Noah for the original piece of music. And yeah, we'll probably play some some mix of the two. Weekly plugs this week. I want to plug uh, my Patreon. Watch Patreon this week. Patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Uh, I've been hosting uh, Culturally Relevant, my uh, other podcast, for a year now. I've been making YouTube videos for quite some time now. And so new Patreons to support um, my, uh, my, those things, my podcast, Culturally Relevant, and my YouTube channel. Um, and I'm really we grateful. We should go everyone- over your uh, level names because they're I feel so like good. they're very good. They're so good. I woke up at like a 5 a.m. on Saturday morning, uh, last Saturday, and uh, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I just fired up my, my, my Periscope and I started broadcasting live. And I started talking about the Patreon. I started building the Patreon page live. And a bunch of people in the chat started suggesting names for these. So I cannot claim credit for them. But uh, there is the, the first level. The, the opening level is Chentry level fan, right? Nice. That was I, when I heard Chentry level fan, I was like, this is genius. This is genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's Chen Enthusiast, which is the yeah. next level up. Uh, I got the next level from Jeff Kanata, actually. Chen Head. Chen Head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, final, the final level, Chenefactor. Chenefactor. The level. Chenefactor. That's a, that's, big, that's a big money Chenefactor. Yeah. Ch- big money Chenefactor. Yeah. So thanks to everyone who's donated already. I also, I just want to say real quick, that I I did not promise this as a reward, but I have been making thank you videos for every single person that contributed to the Patreon, like a like a bonus thank you video, um, and like a personalized thank you video, uh, and emailing them to each person individually. Uh, and uh, I, I'm uh, it's it's been an amazing experience because there's been at this point over 200 people that have contributed to the Patreon, uh, and you can imagine. If you're taking between one and four minutes per video, how much time that will take to make those many those many thank you videos? But what is awesome is I'll be I'll be searching you know this person's name, and I'll find that some of these people have been listening to me slash us. Uh, I mean specifically me and Devendra, but also Jeff to some extent for like like some of the earliest emails I got like 2008. Oh, wow. Someone's been like listening to our so you're, you're doing thank you slash stalker emails is what you're doing. <laughs> it's more like <laughs> reminiscing, you know, walking down memory lane. As I, Jeff Kanata? as I Google their name and search out every detail I can find about them. Okay, Google their name in my Gmail. Okay, in uh, the Gmail, oh, that, Jeff. That's different. In the yeah, Gmail. no, that's lovely. In no, it, well, it shows you, Dave, how much people uh, value your content and have stuck with you over time, and and that's earned, my friend. That is earned. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Patreon.com. Think, sli- go ahead. I, was, I just think a number of them probably want, you know, tickets to, to free premieres. Mm, mm. Patreon.com says Dave Chen. Devinder Hardor, what is your weekly plug? Uh, a couple of things. Um, I talked about the Surface Duo, Microsoft's cool little foldable, not quite foldable, but dual screen phone uh, last week on the Engadget podcast. Are you and, excited uh, about this, Devendra? you excited? I am super excited about this yeah? thing. Like, listen, I am... I like Microsoft hardware. I think they've been, I've reviewed all the Surface devices and the first couple of ones were not good, but they've gotten better and better and better to the point where I they helped kind of shift the way 
laptops were made and the way they look. So I'm really interested to get some hands-on time with this thing. Um, so go check out that episode over at Engadget. Just search Engadget Podcast Surface Duo. Because um, I, I still have not had hands-on time with it, but I've talked with, or at least I've discussed stuff with Microsoft and gotten some info info from like the people behind Surface. So we have some good ideas about it, but I really want to get my hands on it. So yeah, shout out to that. Go check that out. Uh, that's the Engadget podcast on the Surface Duo, and we'll link to it in the show notes. And how about you, Jeff Kanata? Well, I announced it last week, but I had flipped it on moments before we started recording, and now I can say that I am legitimately a professional limerick writer. I I write limericks for money on Cameo.com. It's crazy. I've done uh, about a dozen Cameo limericks for people, and it's going strong. And I have to say, you know, I resisted this idea, and I have to say, you know, if it wasn't for a very good friend suggesting I do it and make sure that I do it and keep reinforcing that I do it. I wouldn't have done it. So here I am standing here saying, thank you, Danish Syed for you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> without you, Danish uh, would never have happened. Um, but also thank you, Dave, uh, for <laughs> encouraging me. <laughs> Jeff, um, Jeff doesn't understand. I mean, what people don't know is like I, I spent many, many minutes encouraging <laughs> Jeff. I kept saying, Jeff, you got to do this. You got to do this. You're, you're, you're leaving money on the table for these limericks, man. Um, it's going to be an awesome experience. And Jeff refused to believe me. Then all of a sudden, this Danish kid strolls onto the scene. <laughs> and Jeff's like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll try it. OK. Oh. All right. It's cool. Well, though, what uh, it's what cool. hashtag did you use, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't use a hashtag, Jeff. Didn't Dave, well, there you go. There you go. Are, are, are uh, you able to are you able to share any of the limericks that you, you you know, maybe you could give a little limerick plug? Oh, uh, man. Like I don't share, know. They're, share, they're kind of they're okay. kind of personal. I, I did do one for you for your Patreon. I don't oh, know yeah, if you want to share that one. Uh, um, no, that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> touche dave touche well played no i just i just already plugged the patreon i don't want to be too self-promotional jeff that's all yeah yeah i'm sure that's what it was um <laughs> no uh they they are they are original compositions based on the information that people give me so i you know they're they're personal to them there's been a couple of people that have tweeted them out but I, I, you know, I, I respect, I wouldn't, you know, just say somebody else's, uh, limerick, but I'm actually, <laughs> I you, do, you don't, you don't, uh, kiss and limerick as they say. Exactly. I don't limerick and tell, I think is what you mean to say. Yep. Um, the, <laughs> I do kiss and limerick constantly. Um, the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the the funny thing is that, you know, there's this, all the people on cameo, there's millions, whoever knows all these a, B, C, D, E, all the way down to wherever I am, uh, list celebrity. Um, and 99.9% .9 of the people on Cameo, it's like, you know, they turn on the camera, they talk for a little while and they're done. I, in my infinite stupidity, was like, I'll slave over a, a limerick for hours. And I really, I really do. I work very hard on them, trying to make them 
uh, fun and clever and uh, unique to every person that orders one, uh, working in the specifics of the information that they give me. So I'm actually working really hard on these. And that's why I said I feel like I'm a professional limerick writer now because uh, people pay me and I make a limerick for them and deliver it uh, in video form. So if you have any reason for limerick, I've gotten uh, already, I've gotten birthday ones, I've gotten uh, anniversary ones. Uh, I've gotten just pep talks. People you just need a pep talk, just need something special. Look, looking um, forward to the first limerick proposal. Make it happen. Oh, that would be great. Oh, listeners, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Jeff, yeah. you realize this job, you're basically a medieval like writer at this point. <laughs> I think like, you want to just make limericks for people. <laughs> I'm a fool. You're, you're like a jester, basically. You're a <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, seriously, though, it is difficult. Like, it's, if you, you know, Jeff makes it seem effortless, but can you imagine? People are giving Jeff creative briefs. They're like, hey, um, I, I have an anniversary. My wife's name is Blah. We like skydiving. Da 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 da. Jeff needs to fit it all into a limerick, which, by the way, is not the most free form of verse out there. Um, right. it's impressive stuff. It's impressive stuff. It's so, pretty it, it, it the actually the hardest stuff is when they don't give me enough information. They're like, "It's my my friend's birthday. I hope he has a great one." And I'm like, "Oh well, now I got nothing." You know, so uh, <laughs> having a lot of information is always better. But yeah, but anyway, you can order your own cameo.com slash Jeff Canada is uh, is where I'm uh, available to be hired out. I it's it's wild, man. I do like you know two or three a day, and uh, it makes me it makes me happy. It is uh, it's a fun mental exercise that I enjoy. Uh, although I put a lot more work on it than I probably should, but I, 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 I'm grateful to everybody that's ordered so far and hope more people take advantage of it. All right. Those are our weekly plugs. Let's get to our review of Project Power. Power, power, speak a little loud. If there was a pill. I'm you money. I'm coming at the That could give you five minutes. So they get it. I'm embedded with the power. Pure power. I'm embedded with the power. Would you take it? You don't know who I am and what I'm about. But I'll do anything to find that source. Listen to my voice. Am I lying? Welcome to Project Power. Our goal is simple. The next evolution of the human species. You were taking one of those before. It can make you strong. Make you invisible. You never know what your power is until you try it. You push that power, don't you? Yeah. On the streets, they're talking about superpowers, but they're not talking about how one hit could kill you. That was from the trailer for Project Power, the newest film by directors Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. Yeah, Joining, out. Dave, Dave, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that this movie is actually titled Project Power. Mm. Yeah, no, not not necessarily untrue. That said, uh, we are super happy today to welcome to the podcast a, uh, I would argue, rising star in the uh, film critic world. His writing can be seen at RogerEbert.com, the playlist, and the consequence of sound. He's also the creator and editor-in-chief of 812filmreviews.com. 
and the newest member of the Chicago Film Critics Association. Congratulations on that. Robert Daniels, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on, sir. Um, I've been following your work for the last few months, and you're just you're just putting out bangers, man, left and right, just like uh, <laughs> piece after piece on like Polygon and like IGN is your, where your review for Project Power can be found. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to always when I see you have a new piece up, I'm always excited to read it and excited to have you on the podcast, of course, tonight. So let's talk about Project Power. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we talked last week on the Slash Filmcast about how we're all in a very weird situation right now where we're not seeing movies in theaters. Um, and Netflix advertised this movie as uh, as a blockbuster. You know, that on Twitter, the, the ad was Netflix has the blockbusters, right? So my question for you, Robert, is do you feel like this movie is basically what a summer blockbuster would be, except we got to watch it at home? <laughs> or is it better or worse than that? Um, yeah, just quality wise, I'd say worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the scale and the scope is there of a blockbuster. You know, there that is clearly what they're going for in terms of the visuals. You know, it is the visuals are it very stylistic, stylized that you what you would expect from a big studio film. Um, but you know, script. Not all there. <laughs> I think I think you I think you rate big studio blockbusters higher than I do. <laughs> so it looks pretty it looks pretty solid, but maybe from a storytelling perspective, not that great. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, when I when I think of like you know a big blockbuster or something like that, you know, I'm thinking something like um, um, you know, the new Mission Impossible or something, or like you know where I feel like there is a type of quality that I'm going to get at least from a, not just a visual standpoint, but also a stunt standpoint action to, um, and yeah, this doesn't make any of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Unfortunately, that said, Devinder Hardware, I got to ask you, what did you think of project power? Well, you know what, Robert, I think I have a far lower, um, I don't know, barrier for blockbusters. <laughs> I sat through Bloodshot, you know? That was a movie that was released in theaters. Um, I actually, I had a lot of fun with this, even though this movie is a complete mess. I think, like, there, there are too many main characters. There are basically three main characters they were juggling. Um, narratively, like, it doesn't quite connect, and the plot is all over the place, but I do kind of like the way it's trying to reinvent um what a superpower movie could be. This isn't a superhero movie. This is more um, a, a very clear, like it, using superpowers, almost uh, relating it to, I don't know, the government testing out drugs on people, uh, almost like the drug war or, you know, I know conspiracies people have about uh, the government spreading uh, drugs throughout the country. It's, it's really related to that. I don't know if uh, it all holds together, but I still had a lot of fun watching it. It is one of those like really popcorny uh, action movies that I enjoyed more than a movie like Bloodshot. So uh, I'll say that. Like I actually appreciated the fact that it's, um, it's the cinematography is kind of wild and kinetic at times. Maybe overdone. It feels like the Crank guys trying to do a superhero movie if Crank isn't quite a superhero movie or a superpower movie. So it feels fun and inventive like that. Um, Jamie Foxx in full on like badass action guy mode. I'm fine with, I'm not sure what Joseph Gordon Levitt 
is doing in this movie. He feels like um, he's doing Will Smith in every Will Smith 90s action movie in a way down to being the cop who dresses in a, in a Jersey, right? Like he's just giving me that real vibe, but I really like Dominique Fishback. Um, you know, I like the, uh, the effects and the idea of it. It reminds me a lot of limitless, which was a really fun concept. Uh, I mean, fun enough for them to turn into a TV show. And I could see this concept like really going far. The movie as it is, is kind of messy, but yeah, I still enjoyed it. I'll put it that way. It's closer to like a, a riff on X Men than it is on a super like a conventional superhero movie. Sure, Obviously, sure. you could you could classify X Men as superheroes, but it's like about you know normal quote unquote normal everyday people potentially getting powers or discovering that they have powers. That being said, Jeff Kanata, what were your thoughts on Project Power? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts on Project Power are best summed up in the form of a limerick. You know, Jeff, we, we might want to explain what these limericks are. Like, why do you do this? Because this is uh, Robert Daniels' first time on the side. Oh, yes, Robert. Well, here's the thing. See, um, I don't want to do them. Very few people enjoy them. Uh, but Dave has decided that should I show up to a single episode without a limerick in hand, that's my last episode. He has made it abundantly clear <laughs> He rules this show with an iron fist and said to me, Jeff, it's limerick or Death? nothing. Or, Death. or you're out. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> you, had no, you had no follow up there, did you? I had no, that's what he said. He, he left it hanging too. I'm just quoting Dave. He, he said it's like limerick. A, a slicing and I was, motion across his neck? Yeah. I was I like, know. you guys. I was like, or what, Dave? Or what? And since it was only audio, I could not see the slicing motion on his mm. neck. Mm. But I felt it. Kind of how right. you guys just felt it right then. Anyway, here's my limerick for, for project power. <laughs> the effects and actions enough to put up with the dialogue fluff. It's the best we can muster for summer blockbusters because 2020's been rough. Yes. Mm. Pretty good, Jeff. And that's yeah. kind of how I feel. Like Good enough. Like what Devendra said, my bar is so low at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like this is as close as we've gotten. I mean, even old guard still felt kind of like a Netflix movie. Right. Right. This at least feels like there's some bombast, <laughs> you know, there's some, there's like a, a little Susan of summer in there, like a some, some flavor <laughs> of summer, you know, it's just a, it's just a hint of what we would have been enjoying for the last three or four months. You if, can imagine uh, being in the theater with the AC on too high and eating overpriced popcorn while yeah, watching this movie. This I is can the clearly movie, imagine it. This is the movie that we all would have been like, yeah, this, this, this was no Black Widow. You know, it was no, <laughs> it was no wonder, it was no Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. You know what I'm saying? Right, uh, right. But we we can't say that. We have we have the pickings. They are slim. And so, uh, for, for and, all we know, this is better than both of those films. Well, yeah, for all we know. Yeah. I just have a oh, sense God. that perhaps it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet, uh, like Devendra, I found myself, um, not checking my phone throughout it. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't bad enough that I turned away or was uninterested. And I particularly loved the effects. I thought the visual effects in this movie were awesome. I mean, we've seen yeah, yeah. countless superhero movies and countless superhero movies with these specific superpowers. Mm -hmm, and I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen them visualized like this. It was a completely unique take on what superpowerhood is. You know, how it how it feels, how it looks, 
how grotesque it can be. I mean, there's lots of, there's even lots of superhero movies that take the, the stance that having a superpower is kind of a burden or grotesque in some way. So that's not even original, but just how these are specifically realized. In particular, one of the first sequences with a, a character who basically is like the human torch or something. Uh, extraordinary. Just so amazing the level of uh, effects work and how I believe that person was on fire and like, right, how it right. was dealt with and all of they, that. They also uh, have traces of being burned, right? This is a person yeah. who gets on fire, but his body is not used to it. And it's... Uh, it checks out. It works. Well, it, yeah. it basically is when these people take this pill and become superheroes for five minutes, that experience uh, leaves a record on their body. You know, like yeah. it, it, it like drug use. It's like they're they're yeah. meth addicts. You yeah. know, they are in the way that meth addicts like lose their teeth and, and, and look, you know, there's before and after pictures. Of meth. Right. That's kind of the same idea here. And I thought that was really effective. But. You guys are also correct in saying that the movie really is kind of poorly structured. It doesn't make any sense. If you would just write the plot of what this movie is, <laughs> almost nothing happens. It's very strange. It's very, very strange how little it actually goes on. And yet the ideas I found compelling enough to be to hold my interest and it it gets so close to being something interesting. Like Devendra was was kind of bringing up this idea that the that the powers are are like the drug war, and there is that. But what I thought you were going to say, Devendra, is that the movie flirts with this idea of everybody ha has a power inside them, right? Mm -hmm. The right, the right. the girl discovers that her power is has nothing to do with actual superpowers. Right? Her power is to you know be a rapper or whatever it is. You know, it's and, and there's this wonderful speech where uh, Jamie Foxx is making that comparison and saying, what's, you, what's the, th only, the thing that only you can do in this world? And it's like the movie wants to make that connection, right, but it never yeah. really does. And the whole idea of how the powers, like it's a cool concept that you take this pill and you don't know if you're going to explode or <laughs> be awesome. You know, maybe your skin is bulletproof. Maybe you have, you know, uh, acid that comes yeah. out of your pores you don't know <laughs> you, you can imagine by the way like if this existed people would just be out there doing this like taking it willy-nilly and you know taking that <laughs> risk of exploding to have freaking superpowers so you oh, can't yeah. like this world kind of makes sense that people are out there doing this i'd do it <laughs> but the, I, the, I mean we we have people we live in a world right now where people are literally going out in the world yes you know testing whether or not testing whether or not they can survive uh yeah but that's not as cool as like do i have <laughs> bulletproof skin uh but anyway the, but the 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 missing i think the missing step would have been like you know you have bulletproof skin if there's something about your personality that makes you bulletproof or right, there, it, right. it felt like it was an outgrowth of, of who you are intrinsically that could have made that connection of like, Oh, there's something special in you. This drug awakens that amplifies that superhumanifies that, uh, that I think could have been an interesting take, but the movie never really goes there. It's never really about anything. It's about a lot of things. It's as Devendra said, messy and kind of all over the place, but I did get some, joy out of it right just the like i said in my limerick the effects and the action sequences alone in this sad sad summer was enough well was let me flashy. just tell you guys i just picked up a, a new tv uh because i need something a little bigger than uh, the oled for my space and uh this is a perfect movie to test out a new tv on uh so i also enjoyed it for that i was like okay i made the good decision 
because uh, this movie looks fantastic. I would love to turn these uh, a lot of the special effects into a screensaver or something like when they go into the blood or into like some microscopic stuff. Like it's yeah. it's cool. It's just cool. Yeah, there, there's some cool. There's some cool uh, editing in there. Um, I I think uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you guys. Kind of with you guys. I think it's like it, it wasn't absolutely terrible, but I don't think it was good. No, um, no, no, one, no, no one's saying that, Dave. <laughs> one of the what is pro- good? What <laughs> is good? One of the problems I think with the movie is that it's not really about anything, or the the manner in which it is about anything is very, very lackluster, very, very mm-hmm. scattershot. Uh, I really appreciated Robert Daniels' review for a small indie website called IGN, uh, <laughs> where Robert, with your permission, can I can I quote from your review? Is that okay? Yeah. Um. You write, quote, the gravest error in this movie springs from the opaqueness of its central theme, the appropriation of disadvantaged black and brown people for medical experimentation. The history of the medical community using marginalized people as guinea pigs runs deep. For instance, the film references Henrietta Lacks, a black woman during the 1930s whose cells were illegitimately harvested by doctors and later cloned for drug testing. Other examples left unnamed include the Tuskegee syphilis study and the forced sterilization of Puerto Rican, Mexican and Native American women throughout the decades. Um, and then you continue, uh, project power buries the relevant themes under the weight of action muscle, end quote. Mm. And I, I think that's right. There are like actually legitimately interesting angles you could take with this material. Jeff points to one of them that like the, the, uh, power is like something that is a reflection of you as a human being. But there's also this idea of the government experimenting on its citizens, uh, using this thing and, and like for, for their own ends and like or corporations doing the same thing and it just never really comes together and I think one of the reasons is uh, I don't remember which one of you said it but there's just too many characters like there's yeah. just yeah. there's so many there's like multiple bad guys the, the movie keeps and none of them introduced- specific right there's no specific <laughs> bad guy it's like somebody from Transparent shows up at one point I'm like what why Amy <laughs> Landecker Amy Landecker, very talented actress, shows up uh, as a bad guy. Bad, apparently, yeah. The, the they're movie like all keeps... like in a room together, and none of them. They're not, you're not even. You're not even clear how they relate to each other, yes, let alone correct. to, to oh. us, the viewers. You know, uh, Casey Neistat shows up for some reason. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's it, it is a random grab bag of people that uh, are got a block. Got a block. And th- that's the problem is like none of them really represent any ideas in any interesting mm-hmm. fashion because none of them get any time to make an impression. You know, mm-hmm. I love all these actors. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro, amazing actor. He has, he has uh, the most fun with this. Yeah, Right. Amy Landecker, amazing actor. Um, so but like there's yeah. a there's there is a connection to the government. Kind of, mm-hmm. but we don't know exactly. <laughs> like there's shadowy government figures that take over investigations, but. <laughs> okay and then yeah. they're like the police chief the police chief literally goes here's a picture of the guy go find him <laughs> and, and then i mean that's how we get like a major plot point is the the, the chief just goes here this is the information you need Wait, and he's and, also and, hiding the information in his hat yeah which he's wearing throughout the entire film uh who knows what else is in there Uh, but but then um um then joseph gordon levitt like makes this big or you know gets into this conversation makes this big point about like you know maybe you should think about why why your your captain told you to find this guy and he's like yeah and then he never thinks about that he never like there's no connection about What's going on with his captain? It, it's just a very, very 
poorly He's not a very smart cop. He's a very like, and also he's like taking drugs from a teenage dealer too. Like there's a lot like, I don't know if I agree with what he's doing as a cop. Although the idea of a cop being like, okay, I got to take these pills to equalize myself with the criminals. That could be cool. We could explore that. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, but now also, it's also he has a very friendly relationship with a teenage drug dealer, which I'm like, okay, that's weird. That's a little weird, but okay. Uh, the the other thing that, that the movie sort of half-assed makes a comparison is like, hey, evolution is a thing, and there are there are creatures in the world that evolve. <laughs> and so like these, animals. Yeah, animals can do crazy stuff in nature. So that's kind of what this is. But it's like I'm not familiar with the animal that spontaneously combusts and stays on fire for a long time. Like, it's just so, it's like half an idea. It, mm-hmm. But if you went all the way, it's like, oh, we're, we're literally, you know, um, supercharging evolution and you can evolve and get these, these animal-like effects on your body. But they don't do that. Like, nothing is that. None of the actual superpowers we see is that. So it's like all of these half ideas that don't really add up to anything, but mm-hmm. are this sort of pastiche <laughs> that is that, that is colorful enough to entertain me in my sad right. 2020 yeah, life. Yeah. I have to, there, there's some decent set pieces like the, 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 the Jamie Foxx's takedown of pyro guy, which is, uh, I guess that's machine gun Kelly. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like that was, I think a good sequence and a good scenario, like introducing who Jamie Foxx's character is as an action star, but also midway through the movie, there's a big scene where, um, we are inside like a tank while somebody is slowly oh, dying that was from awesome. a frost power while the action is happening around her. Really well staged and creatively so staged cool. and interesting. Yeah, it was cool. So I dug that. Well, so Robert Daniels, couple couple questions. First of all, I first of all, my understanding is you did not like that scene, Robert. And I, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with that perspective, but I, I want to hear your reaction to that. The other thing is uh, I have to say the the invocation of Henrietta Lacks, mm-hmm. Henrietta Lacks, kind of a uh, kind of annoyed me, and 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 by that I mean when you invoke Henrietta Lacks, in my opinion, you're you're trying to like motion that your movie is about something bigger than just you know dumb mm-hmm. action movie fun. In my opinion, in my opinion, right? Like, I think could, it thinks it is. Yeah, you could easily not reference Henrietta Lacks and still have the movie, right? And and but the fact that you're trying to like invoke something like that makes me feel like, well, you gotta you need to bring it thematically in order to justify that. And I don't feel like the movie does that. Uh curious if you have any thoughts on that, Robert Daniels. Um like do do you feel like if it had just stayed away from any subtext at all, would it be a better movie in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if it was just a dumb action film and it went in with that, you know, stance, I would probably like it a lot more. I could, you know, that's the thing slide. But <laughs> but I agree with you. Like, when you're invoking Henrietta Lacks and then the multiple times Jamie Foxx says, government, the government treats us like rats. Right. They are testing us like rats. He says it like three times in the span of 30 seconds. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> they had like, obviously I think, okay, you're trying to say something. There is some type of message that is inherent in this film. And then when that message doesn't come out, I, not only do I feel ch- cheated, um, I also feel like, you know, there's, I don't, I don't want to say appropriation, um, but there is a sense of like, okay, this is kind of, you know, paint by numbers of representation. Mm-hmm. Right. Or or it's like this kind of like veneer of, I don't know, um, wokeness importance. in some ways, right? Yeah. Veneer yeah. of yeah. importance that's like, 
hey, like this, th- we're actually trying to say something with this action movie. You know, it's not, it's it, yeah. don't be distracted by the amazing action scenes. Like it, we're actually trying to say something. And then when it fails to really pull that off, it feels like more mm-hmm. disappointing than if you're just like a Michael Bay movie or something. I, I do, I do want to shout out though, like this movie is set in New Orleans and it's set in post Katrina New Orleans. And it does seem like they're, they actually shot there and their points oh, were yeah. like they're Tax going breaks, into bro. restaurants. What's that? Tax breaks, bro. Tax breaks, of <laughs> course. But also there are points where they're going into restaurants and it feels like those are the people that actually work there are in the movie. Yeah, like there's a I texture agree. to it that I really liked. And the idea of like saying, okay, this the government is failing us with this superhero, superpower pill program uh, seems very smart to set that in New Orleans where the government failed that city completely. So I do give it credit for that, at least. I do want to talk to you guys about that tank sequence mm-hmm. because I want to hear why Robert doesn't like it. But I, I did think it was rather funny that they're all, you know, they walk into this room and they're like, Oh, what's the crazy new drug? I want to try it. I want to try it. Yeah. Yeah. Honey, my new, my girlfriend, uh, you want to try it? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Get into this safety tank. Perfectly w- safe. Wait, why, why do I need to get into the safety tank? Cause we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen when you take this thing. <laughs> So we built an extremely expensive safe tank to keep you away from us because we have no idea what will happen. No, you so take keep it. me oh, safe. Well, Don't worry about that it. Sounds, worry uh, about that it. sounds awesome to me. That sounds yeah. like something I definitely want to do. Here we go. <laughs> but I thought, I thought as contrived as it was, it was still kind of a neat, like I've never seen an action sequence like that. And mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of rad that, you know, you only see glimpses of what's going on outside the tank and it's presumably really awesome stuff, but you're kind of trapped in there with her. It was rad. Yeah. So we're referring to this this big acting set piece that takes place midway through the movie. Uh, Robert Daniels, what did you think of, of that sequence? I absolutely hated that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm okay, it's an action film. I want to see the action. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I don't understand. Sure. I don't understand why you want to see the action, though. Why not just see glimpses of it at the sides, you know? Much so, better way to do it. <laughs> so I I think the concept is interesting. I really like the idea, but the issue I have, a, a, one of the main issues I have with Project Power is that, yes, the stylization looks good, but it's never done with any intent. So it feels like the filmmakers are just doing it because, oh, it looks good. It's going to look cool, you know, and we're inside this tank. We're in this weird kind of periphery angle and we're in this tank with this woman and we're pretty sure what's going to happen is there's like no drama (laughs) (laughs) within this tank. This is a, this is a periphery character that we have no emotional connection to. It's it's just, why, why do I care about her? Well, no, I want to see Jamie Foxx fight like this is what he trained for I, this I, movie <laughs> i will say i think it, it probably goes on too long because we spend a good chunk of time with her and maybe like going in and out of the tank or something would have been nice um well, also J- jamie fox not super skilled at the art of subtle infiltration into no. this i was shocked he straight up just murders that guy <laughs> with the ice sculpture you know i did like how the the lady uh decided to fill up her drink from the ice sculpture without noticing <laughs> the, you know. <laughs> the that was some good that was i mean good. No, nobody pays attention to the help in those situations so clearly it's a it's a class commentary uh i will say about the action of this movie. I think a lot of it is very deliberate. Like I can tell, even if it's flashy and stylized and maybe overly slow, at least they're going for something, which is more than I can say 
for the vast majority of action movies, um, I end up having, you know, to see, especially this stuff. A lot of like B great action movies. Like the, there's some staging here. There's a point where, um, was it? They were escaping from like the, uh, the Asian grocery store and it was an overhead shot of Jamie Foxx, just like shooting people underneath a semi truck. And it was like a second of a shot. It was so like cool and well staged that it kind of, it kind of floored me. Like they do, it seems like they thought about what the action would look like. So I could actually, I could follow it more than I could with most other action movies, unless it's from like, you know, somebody who actually knows what they're doing, like James Cameron or something. My I biggest mean, uh, problem with that sequence that you just referred to, Devendra, was that we see the bad guy take the pill. Yeah. And yeah. I kept waiting for something awesome to happen with him. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you took the pill. What's he going to yeah. do? I can't wait to see what he does. And he literally does nothing. It's like he walks out and he's like, I'm not the guy. You're talking to the wrong guy. And I'm like, no, but you just took the awesome pill. You know. <laughs> so I, I will say I agree with Devendra. I do think the movie takes some big swings from a from a stylistic perspective. Right. Um, and. You can, whatever it is, whatever it is, it is that thing a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? In it, terms of the. It's, it's very Shui ang- Hark, right? Like it, it reminds me of like how crazy his movies could be at times. Just like the camera's always moving, Dutch mm-hmm. angles. It's like floating in and out of things. Uh, the lighting is heavily, heavily stylized. And I mean, I will say that um, the uh, directors, Ariel Shulman and Henry Juice, they've come a long way from Catfish, which sure. is the movie they yeah. first directed. Um, so whether you like this movie or not, it's just like, clearly they're going, they're going for stuff. Their their skills have clearly advanced quite a bit since they made that documentary. They also obviously went on to make movies like nerve and the paranormal activity movies. So, um, I do think I see a lot. I forgot about that completely. Three and four, three was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I do see a lot of growth here Mm -hmm. as, as filmmakers. Um, yeah, we uh, we reviewed catfish on, uh, on the totally rad show back in the day when like it was it hadn't come out in theaters yet and they invited us to this tiny little screening room and it was the three of us on the show and those two guys like two <laughs> rows behind us watching their movie with them and nobody knew about the movie at all and no, there was no like we had no idea what the twist was uh, it was kind of an extraordinary experience yeah. and uh, they were like kids they were young oh, at that time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i saw, I saw cool. it at one of the first screenings of that movie at sundance and i'll never forget about it because that obviously now everyone knows what that term is and it's because right. of that movie so right um they're anyway. doing the mega man movie next apparently so oh, nice. hey well stepping yeah. towards that um any other thoughts before we get to spoilers we uh, I will say we haven't really we didn't really talk about um the other lead dominique fishback who i think given she doesn't really have powers is the thing like she doesn't get to have the powers so her power is um yeah the art of rap and i think some of the sequences they give her are a lot of fun so i like her as a personality i wish she was like woven into the story more rather than you stay here and hit these buttons you know while we uh do the cool shit I mean, she's barely. She's awesome. I agree. As, yeah. as she, an she's the third but lead, she, but she's barely. But in she's the movie. yeah. She's barely a, the protagonist because mm-hmm. the movie feels so unfocused, right? Like, mm-hmm. is Joseph Gordon-Levitt the lead? Is Jamie Foxx the lead? You know, uh, there. I guess there's. They're all three of them are protagonists theoretically. Yes. Um, but yeah, it feels a little bit unfocused. However, she is great. Um, she's also in like uh, the Hate You Give, and uh, oh, I'm yeah, looking forward to yeah, seeing yeah. what else she can do. So, um, all right. Let's get to spoilers for Project Power starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you 
We're in full spoilers for Project Power right now. I have a couple thoughts on the ending I want to share. Number one, uh, the, it's, a, it's a pretty cool moment when Jamie Foxx takes the pill at the end and like everything slows down to like one mm-hmm. one thousandth of a second and you see he's like vaporizing water droplets around him. Yeah. But also um, pretty risky move for him because he's trying to save Dominique Fishback's character, Robin, yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And he just starts throwing fireballs at people and like I hope you can vapor- control this man. Yeah. And like <laughs> vaporizing them. And then he like throws one like right at Dominique Fishback's captor and like he vaporizes him like right after she jumps out of the way. Like, man, that was uh pretty close, Jamie Foxx. You almost uh you almost killed the person you're trying to save there. Um but uh, also I was pretty disappointed that Jamie Foxx survived because it felt like the entire movie was building up to you know, because she's they're in the submersible, and like his daughter says to her, says to him, um, "No, Dad, you know what's going to happen when you take the pill." You know, like I'm like, yeah. oh, something horrible is going to happen to him, but nope, it's just uh, he's going to make it out okay. He should have um, like that. That would have been a good like self destruct type of thing, right? You know, right. Him. It felt like they were yeah. setting it up for that, but um, yeah, but I, but how do you learn that that you'll self destruct? Right? That's you only just a little you, bit. You just distract. Maybe he's he distracted a little bit the first time, right? <laughs> I guess. I was also. But, uh, I was. I was unclear, by the way, of what. What was it? They were getting the powers from him in a way. I thought, like, as an. No, I think was it was the, her. I think it's the daughter. So the daughter, but also him. Like a part of it seemed like it was from him. Well, he he took the stuff, and then uh-huh. while he was taking the stuff, he conceived the child mm. and and because of the don't, don't have kids on power people yeah don't have kids on drugs kids well that's what we learned that's the only thing that that we learn in class that entire classroom section was only there to have that be a thing where it's like yeah that's that's actually a thing like right, kids, right. if their parents are on drugs they have a little bit of the drugs in them um so the idea is that now there are people who are born with the powers and it doesn't only last for five minutes uh be, and that's what the why the daughter is so important she's the first Although it seems very simple to duplicate that process. Yeah, wouldn't you just be farming people having yeah. drug, like power drug kids? Oh, man. And I, you can't, <laughs> the, he can't dark. be the only person that boned while on power, right? <laughs> the government's like, how else can we replicate this? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have to say it was odd watching this Netflix movie a month after watching The Old Guard, uh-huh. which is another movie in which an evil corporation slash government slash paramilitary organization is keeping people because they have superpowers and they want to harvest their organs or internals so that they can replicate the superpower <laughs> capability. And it happens like on the, in a big enclosed space. Like there's a big right. like fight in an enclosed space at the end of the movie where they need to break that person out and save them. You know, mm-hmm. um, let me tell you guys about sense eight. Uh, it's, it's all like, it happens again and again. This is such a common trope, right? Mm, mm. How uh, banal is it though, that the entire movie is headed to a boat to fight on a boat? Like th- this entire movie, the entire th- last third of the movie is just like fighting in, in the cargo boat. Yeah. Open the door, open the doors. That's, it's such a roll. banal, uninteresting trites like location and there's nothing interesting or climactic about that there's nothing it just felt like oh okay all right this is this is where we can be set away from the world so nobody can see what's going on and i guess 
we're all in this claustrophobic environment that it, it, it just, there were so many missed opportunities I felt. And how do we not have any character that takes this pill and can fly? <laughs> Robert, Robert Daniels, let me ask you, what did you think of uh, the ending? And is, is there anything you liked about it? Anything you didn't like about it? Oh, that ending is terrible. <laughs> that ending is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I was the whole time when they were on the submersible, I was like, is this going to, this is going to end like Captain Phillips? Like, what's how it's going <laughs> to <laughs> But I was, I was expecting Jamie Foxx to die, and I would have... Honestly, if Jamie Foxx had died, probably would have added an extra points to this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because the Armageddon it, points, yeah. Yes, it's, it feels like it's building to that, you know, and it feels like Jamie Foxx, as a character, you know, he fulfills that trope, trope kind of like uh, the, the broken man who has, like no real place to go to in the world. He's not going to be in the army ever again. Um, and his, I mean, his daughter and him are going to be on the run forever. Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't see how this brought the peace at all. <laughs> yeah. I also like he has that pill through the whole, we, we know he has the pill in his mouth, the entire third act. And he goes, are you going to use it? You're going to use that crazy, crazy pill. And, and Jimmy Fox is like, only as a last resort. And then there's like three times where he almost dies. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, not too soon. Too soon for this for the last resort thing happening. But there's like really horrible people doing really incredibly powerful things around him. And he's like, I can handle this without the pill. It's very strange to me. Very strange. Uh, well, what is it? speaking of like weird, uh, cool action in this movie, I I like the fight with the random Wolverine guy at the end, although <laughs> it is one of those things where a random Asian character shows up just to do martial arts. But I love uh, with, with blades of some kind with blades. With blades yeah. yeah. But I love claustrophobic action. And so them having to like shoot some of that, like in between uh, some of the shipping containers, I thought was a lot of fun, too. So, well, to, to yeah. this film's credit, you know, when I watch a movie, when I watch the X-Men movies, one of the pleasures of watching the X-Men movies is what kind of crazy powers are we going to see from these people? Like there's, you know, and th there's always a scene in, in the X-Men movies, at least the early ones where there'd be some character that did some power that you didn't expect, you know, like, mm -hmm. Oh, they, they can pass through things or, Oh, they're invisible, you know, like whatever. And, uh, the fight between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and contortionist guy, I thought was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. so cool. That was like the Mr. Fantastic. But yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. going to mention the invisible guy. I love the chameleon dude. Like, <laughs> what an awesome sequence that was. I've never, you know, again, we've seen a million digital invisible people mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in various things. And I've, ne again, a visualization of that thing that I've never seen in that way. Like, literally every single thing he ran by was reflected in him almost like a chameleon picking up the colors from the environment around him. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. And that's, that's, I think the biggest strength of this movie yeah. is it looks and feels unlike any other superhero movie. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. My, my big disappointment with the invisible guy is that, um, it, it seemed like he was naked, he, but, yeah. Yeah. but you don't see his junk. <laughs> so he was the invisible junk. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, have the courage your convictions project power well, and show, show yeah. the invisible guys junk is Listen, what I'm saying. You don't, you <laughs> don't know. It, it may not be very big junk. So maybe there's no outline to show who knows. <laughs> it's, it's, it blends in with this environment. <laughs> Is what I tell everyone. <laughs> he, just, he just went swimming. Shrinkage. Right Shrinkage. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's my superpower. 
All right. Well, I think, I think, I think, and also we should also mention that the ending, I, in my opinion, kind of sets it up for a sequel, right? Like, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. But I guess Jamie Foxx says, I'm not going to be part of the sequel. <laughs> like it's, it's, he's like explicitly saying it's done for me. I'm done. I'm out of so, here. L- let me, let me ask you this question, Robert Daniels, which is that like, we've seen like a lot of these Netflix movies set up sequels and to date, I don't know that I have, I, I can recall a Netflix movie that had a sequel. Right. Like I, I, I know that there have been Netflix movies that are sequels, mm-hmm. for instance, El Camino, kind of like yep. a sequel to Breaking Bad. But I don't know that Netflix has ever made a big budget movie and then made a sequel to that big budget movie ever yet, if I if I can recall. Um, and so I guess when when a movie like this sets up for a sequel that may never come. Does that irritate you, or are you just like, you know what, whatever, it's fine? Like, what, what is your reaction to that? <laughs> Do you want uh, more of the thing you didn't like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying generally, you know, if the movie was good, for instance. Um, Yeah, I mean, if the movie's good, and, you know, a, a sequel gets teased, yeah, I want the sequel, you know. And well, it's, it's interesting that Netflix, they have the money to get, like, right? a, a big director they have the money to get you know a, a charlie Theron or something like that but for some reason they don't have the money to just film back to back like just do back to back just like, do the two movies up front yes just do the movies two up front like everyone stays on set for what, a month and a half extra you know just yeah pe- at that, at that point though it. it's a netflix show right then you can call <laughs> three or four episodes of netflix series. yeah <laughs> I love Dave. You're basically doing the old joke. Uh, boy, the food was terrible and such small portions. That's right. You know? That's right. But I mean, <laughs> Netflix committed to two seasons of House of Cards mm. uh, before I think before they'd even seen the first episode. And you know, each season of that show is tens of millions of dollars. So it's like I, I kind of agree with Robert. It's like maybe just commit to two movies, you know, or pull a Lord of the Rings, film the trilogy like all in one sitting. And uh, you save some money that way. And then also you don't end up teasing a sequel that never comes, which is what what may or may not occur with Project Power and the old guard. I don't think that this teased a sequel as uh, as in making it essential. Right. There was no like hanging question. It was just like, hey, maybe we'll do more stuff like this. You know, it wasn't there was no. A te- you say tease for a sequel like we would be disappointed not to find out what happens in some way but we know what happens to all these yeah. people that it just says hey maybe there's more power stuff happening in the world there's no there's no like you know post credit sequence that sets up a new villain or anything like that it's not i don't think it's yeah bad. which the old guard did and also like yeah we've seen like a lot of movies uh, i'm thinking uh, the amazing spider-man one which yeah. th- their entire plot lines of that movie, which were like, hey, wait for the sequel. Maybe we'll dive into it. I don't know. So I also I, I just, one more one more part I wanted to, to highlight that that made me feel another missed opportunity is that that sequence like right outside the whatever that strange place was that he somehow talked his way into that. I don't understand how he talked his way. Like the, he walked the in and, pay the paycheck like or yeah, the, payday the ca- lending ca- place. cashing place. Yeah. Um she's in she's like i could be the robin to your batman and she's like in a yellow hoodie and dressed like robin and i was like what a cool idea like make make a batman and robin that actually works make it logical that there's this young ward in 
in the charge of a, a cool vigilante anti-hero. A cop like, who yeah, should know go, better. Yeah. Yeah, go all the way there and like make us believe that that's a plausible thing. And instead, the movie just gives it lip service. And I went, that would have been rad. Also, yeah. funny that uh, she's saying that to somebody who was Robin. And also, this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's time to be Batman, like in many ways. So a lot, yeah. of, a lot of like fun little subtext here. Technically, I think he was more Nightwing than Batman, but... Well, unfortunately... Project Power, not the worst movie ever, but it uh, sounds like it really didn't live up to its potential. Some cool things, though. Some cool things, some cool visuals, a couple cool scenes, a couple cool concepts, right? So it wasn't a complete loss. In other yeah, words... what else are you going to do? What else you got? There's, in other words, no... it was a Netflix movie. Yeah, You can go watch the Democratic National Convention. I'm sure it'll be just as exciting. As this movie. Well, there will be that part where the person is on fire uh, <laughs> attempting to. That's just Bernie. Run. It's what he does, man. <laughs> just let him be. Attempting to run away from the problem. And uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. And our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Also, our uh, weekly plugs music this week came from a combination of Noah Ross and Thomas Medina. Uh, until next week, let me ask you, Robert Daniels, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Yeah, so I have a few upcoming reviews. Um, one is of the 24th, um, which is a... War movie set in World War One about an all-black battalion stationed in Houston, and it's about the Houston riots of 1917. Uh, that'll be on com. I'll be on Consequence of Sound reviewing Peninsula, and then later this week I'll also be on IGN again reviewing the new Netflix cartoon series, um, adult cartoon series, Hoops. All right. Well, check out Robert at all those places. He's also on Twitter. Check Robert out at all those places. He's also on Twitter uh, at 812 Film Reviews, correct? Yes. All right. Very cool. And uh, next week, you can tune in to the Slash Filmcast. We are going to be discussing the Apple TV Plus documentary, Boys State. Um, so if you purchased an Apple device anytime in the last year... Or you're willing to pay, what is it, 5 or $6 a month? You can watch Boys State, which is a winner of the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Uh, I've watched it. It completely blew me away. I'm so impressed with it. I can't wait to talk with you guys about it. So that's what's in store for you next week on the Slash Filmcast. Check out Boys State. We'll be here talking about it uh, on this podcast. Until then, we'll see you soon. Talking about